You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. The mission of this church is to share hope in Jesus Christ, and we're studying with the Apostle Peter how it is that Jesus jumpstarts hope in a person's life. And I want to begin this morning with a question, actually ask you to raise a hand, uh, some of you, if you know the answer. The first question is, how many of you know the name Marty Barrett? Raise your hand. I see a couple. I see a few over here. Marty Barrett. There we go. Anyone in the balcony? Marty Barrett? Nobody in the balcony? Okay, let me try on this one. How many know the name Bill Buckner? There they are. There they are. Raise them high. Look at this. Okay. Some of you know who Bill Buckner is. Just a very few of you, Marty Barrett. In the 1986 World Series, the Red Sox played the New York Mets. And the guy NBC said would have been the MVP for that game was a Red Sox player by the name of Marty Barrett. I didn't know his name. Uh, but uh, he was the guy that got 13 hits, better than 50% uh, on base average. He is the second baseman of the Boston Red Sox. Now, the guy that most of us will remember is Bill Buckner. Now do you remember Bill Buckner? Yeah, you remember him because Bill Buckner is the guy that when the Red Sox hadn't won a pennant since uh, 1918, let the uh, what would have been the, the final game of the World Series, let a, let a, a dribbling uh, uh, infield ground ball pass between his legs. And because of that, there was a Game 7, and the New York Mets won the World Series. And we will always remember uh, Bill Buckner. For that moment. It's a horrible thing to be Bill Buckner uh, at that moment and, frankly, for years since in Boston. <laughs> Failure shapes our lives. Failure is oftentimes more memorable even than our successes. They did a study at University of Michigan a few years ago where they put electronic uh, beanies on a bunch of subjects and had them play a, a video game that involved uh, betting, bet a nickel, bet a quarter. And what they noticed was that it wasn't the wins, but it was the losses that stimulated much of the, electri- uh, the electrical activity in the medial frontal cortex, more so. And the more you lost, the more electrical activity there was in your brain. What this shows is that our losses loom larger than our wins. And that you and I are more shaped by our failure than we are by our success, unless we're careful. And so, it would be interesting to know what it is that Jesus says to Peter as he faces failure. I mean, if you know anything at all about the Apostle Peter, you must know that he's a famous failure. But the good news is that he's also famous because God used him so beautifully. And he'll use you and he'll use me despite our failures. And I want to even suggest to you because of our failures this morning. But think of what, what Peter heard Jesus say as he is about to face his moment of crisis. And, and imagine what. You would have said, if you had been, let's say, the manager of the Boston Red Sox, uh, that uh, uh, cold autumn morning in the sixth game of the World Series, if you knew that Bill Buckner was going to let that ball go between his legs, 
I mean, come on, you parents, you managers, uh, you know what you would have said to Bill. And it would have been a lot of things um, like, you know, the importance of success, the dangers and the consequences of failure, and maybe some good advice. You would have filled Bill Buckner's heads with yeshudas, the very kind of stuff that Bill Buckner has been processing for the last 25 years. I should have, I should have, I should have. But what's so interesting is as Jesus faces Peter, in the face of Peter's failure, there's not a single you should have. There's no you should. In fact, Jesus has a very different approach to Peter, and in a word, it's called grace. Well, let's look at this uh, moment as uh, Jesus gathers with his disciples on the Mount of Olives ahead of not just Peter's failure, but all of their failure. And if you're able, uh, would you stand with me and uh, open your Bible to Mark chapter 14, verses 26 through 31, which is on page 827 of the Pew Bible. Mark 14, verse 26 down to 31. And uh, let's read God's word aloud together. When you're done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, so that if you believe it, you can say thanks be to God. Listen carefully, you're reading God's holy word. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though all become deserters, I will not. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said vehemently, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what you just said never will. Please be seated. Grace for our failure. When Jesus looks into Peter's face and holds him between the shoulders ahead of the greatest failure of Peter's life, Jesus has a word of grace for him. And I want to suggest to you that there are really three words in this single word of grace. One is a word of warning. Another is a word of assurance. And third, there's a word of commission for Peter. And, and, and this word of grace, I think, is really most focused in verse 28, where Jesus says to Peter, I will go before you. I will go before you. That first is a word of grace that sounds a note of caution for Peter, I think. A word of warning. Jesus does not hide the fact that they face failure. He comes right out and says it to them, you will all desert me. You will all fall away. You will all be scandalized, offended by me in the next few moments. You'll fail. Now, Jesus doesn't tell them that in order to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. He doesn't tell them that in order to undermine their confidence. Jesus is for them as he is for you and he's for me. But why would Jesus sound a note of warning? I think it's because he knows that you and I and these disciples all have a tendency for something. 
But she said, what we need is a people who know how to bring the reality of our failures into contact with the reality of God's grace. And that's why it's so important that you and I find our way into a small group. We need to... They're not Bible studies, by the way. They're communities that give witness to the grace of Jesus Christ in the midst of our failure. I will go before you. Jesus says, let's go. Let's go together into others' lives and share hope. So here's hope. Jesus wants you to succeed. He really does. He's not about your failure. He's about your success. But it's his grace that makes success possible. And it doesn't matter how you have failed, how you are failing right now. He is going to call you to go forward in hope, in faith with him. Has the rooster been crowing in your life? Do you fear the sound of the rooster and so stay safely indoors, away from the risks that Jesus Christ is calling you to? Three questions you might ask yourself. First of all, how am I getting ahead of you, Jesus? Secondly, how may I welcome your prayer for my faith as you pray for the Father that I might have faith? How can I be a part of that answer? And thirdly, how can my scar tissue surface grace in other people's lives? Jesus has gone before you as well. His grace will lead you home. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the abundance of your grace. We are people who, what we confessed earlier in this worship service, what we believe about you, the Apostles' Creed, but here we're now feeling free to confess that our lives are not polished and buttoned up, that we have failed in so many ways, and yet to rejoice that you hold us in your grace in the midst of that, to know that we are truly alive in your presence, though internally everything around us says you're dead. We're not. We thank you for that gift. We pray that you give us the faith that we need to believe that that's the truth of our lives. And then the boldness, the Spirit-inspired boldness to go out and to follow you into the world, proclaiming the good news that you've come to give us. In Jesus' name, amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, Visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.